Today on Refried Reviews, we won't be the first, last, or best to talk about it, but goddamn does it deserve it. It's so good! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's the it's the most furious road, and um, <laughs> I'm gonna borrow a phrase from another podcast. And I'm probably gonna return to it a whole lot. Uh, so thank you. Watch out for fireballs. Um, JP, is it metal? It's very metal. <laughs> it's so metal. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's yeah. The only way it would be it could be more metal is if it also contained fantasy elements, like if a dragon or demons or something showed up. <laughs> that would theoretically make this movie more metal than it is. <laughs> However, <laughs> while maintaining internal consistency, it is as metal as it could possibly be. Oh, while being realistic. Yes. <laughs> well, no one does magic at any point. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, unless you just count the, the beautiful magical things that uh, Max Rakitansky can do with that war rig. Um, oh, God, this movie is so, so, so good and has a crazy-ass production history. Um yeah, uh, you, you you know this movie better than I do. Yeah, I mean, I, I brought this to the table. I yeah. I was looking forward to this movie for a long time, and it ended up being exactly what I wanted. Yeah. So it's it certainly was the perfect choice for this. It might be the most well versed I am approaching any podcast. <laughs> uh, but let's see. I graduated high school in two thousand two, yeah. and I distinctly remember like chatting at lunch in the library with friends because rumors were already swirling about this getting financing with really? Mel Gibson. I, I, I've so. heard those stories now, but I didn't know it was, like, public knowledge. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was, uh, you know, in, like, midway through pre-production publicly or anything like that, but it yeah. was definitely well-known that yeah. George Miller was submitting budgets and wanted to get it made. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know all the super specific details. I didn't do a ton of research. Yeah. But a little bit of background, I guess, would be in sort of the early aughts, he really wanted to sort of get it back off the ground. Um, the way he tells it, he was flying uh, between L.A. and Australia, which, mm-hmm. you know, is 12 or 14 hours, give or yeah. take. And basically, when the flight started, the idea sort of uh, just popped up in his head. And when the plane landed, there's a page. Uh, I have the art book, I can yeah. show you, that is basically a one-page, like, they drive out, they drive back, like, yeah. the entire I, I, I've seen it. It's like a cave painting. It's yeah. craziness. <laughs> <laughs> It's insanity, and it is the whole thing. And I wonder if when they asked for a script, he just submitted that. He was like, just just do that thing. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> uh, for a long time, they did not have a script. Really? Apparently, it, it took a long time till they were like well into pre-production in the final round before yeah. Warner was like, we need some words on a page. Yeah, because it's this. so dialogue light. I mean, like we were talking about before we got on mic, like there's probably, I don't know, uh, like 600 words of dialogue total. <laughs> I Max think Max famously has sixteen lines. Really, in the it, whole movie? Uh, I read that many times before it came out. I haven't actually verified yeah. it, but that's like Jeremiah Johnson levels of just you know <laughs> terseness. Um, and this is a much better movie than Jeremiah Johnson. Which uh, I, I guess jumping into that, just when a, something that I, that I've brought up a lot before um, with sort of this long crazy production history and uh, 
I guess I'll continue along. Is yeah. in the aughts, uh, 9/11 was their big problem. Yeah. Uh, turns out people. It was a lot of people's big problem, JP. Yeah, <laughs> it was George Miller's problem in the course of this story. Yeah. No, I hear you. That, uh, <laughs> I guess the studio was a little worried people wouldn't want to watch a movie about wars over oil, yeah. bringing the world down into destroyed madness. Yeah. So they sort of lost funding for that. Mm -hmm. And then the next round, when he got it up and running, they always wanted to film it on Australia. Yeah. And they had uh, the biggest, like, most productive rains they've had in decades. So it was plush and green and wonderful at the time when he needed the wasteland. Fucking up his desert wasteland. <laughs> Which is why it was eventually filmed in uh, Namibia, yeah. most of it. Oh, it was? Mm -hmm. Ah. Yeah, so, but uh, as I was saying about the, the limited number of lines... One of my first tip-offs of, like, George Miller really knows what he's doing in a weird way, like, beyond most mortals, Yeah, is uh, he said one of the biggest issues of getting this movie made was when Mel Gibson was out, for various reasons, finding the next perfect Max, and just seeing the movie of, he has almost no dialogue, like, it's mostly yeah. stern faces, but still recognizing how important that is. Yeah. Of sort of your central figure. Yeah. And sort of the the less he says, the more important it is what he does say, and sort of all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, it's it's you know Tom Hardy does a fantastic job of just conveying the wounds mm -hmm. of Max. Like I mean, and you know all the editing is doing a whole lot of work to keep us in Max's head too. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, I mean, I know, <laughs> it sounds like Tom Hardy didn't have a great sense of what was going on. Even. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from what I've heard, Tom Hardy was by his own admission kind of a pain in the ass on the set. Didn't he apologize to everybody? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think. A lot of the stories from production make it sound like this was not the most fun for anybody and yeah. the cast least of all. Yeah. Um, and I, I think he in particular, uh, th there's a lot of hearsay and, you know, but just following all the rumors, how yeah. true they are. The the gist that I got was sort of the movie had, had finished production. Mm -hmm. It was a difficult production with, uh, as we just watched, it's a ton of tiny jigsaw pieces. Yeah. Of, like, swing the camera around here where this is happening. And those were the storyboards. There yeah. was not shooting wide coverage and then, like, little... Or a, a master yeah. shot and then coverage. Well, it's so hard to shoot, like, coverage of fucking... Well, I guess you could do multi-camera setups. Um, but when shooting coverage of car stunts is... Like, you better just get the angles because we're only going to do it one time. Yeah. So, supposedly, well before there was a script, there were 3,600 storyboards that told the story. Jesus of Fury Road. Christ. And that was sort of the book that they took to, to handle pre-production all this time. And so the... Uh, well before they had a script, it was just jumping to little piece to little piece. Yeah. And about 60% of the movie is in the front of the war rig for mm -hmm. the main actors. So from what mm, I understand, yeah. it was a lot of like, point over here and yell. It's like, okay, which way are we going? What am I yelling at? Yeah. So the DP who was working on the movie for like five years, uh, he didn't even sound that familiar with what was going on, where he would refer to, he would look at the back of the tanker for that oil pod or mm -hmm. the gas pod, and that's how he would know if they were on their way out or on their way back. Ah! <laughs> so yeah, it's it sounds like it was very frustrating for almost everyone involved, except for the few who I'm sure it was frustrating as well, but yeah. at least they they knew what all these little fragments were. Yeah. But I think for the cast, it was a lot of like, just tell me what to do for these five seconds when you're going to film me, and I'll try and deliver yeah. what you want. That doesn't sound actually, like, that makes me, if, it, if that's true, and I'm just going to be opinionated for a second, but that sure. makes me think a little bit less of George Miller, because like, 
you should be able to give your actors some context for their actions. Like, mm-hmm. they'll generally turn in better performances if they know why they're doing what they're doing. Sure. You know, that that bugs me a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, like, I mean, I on the other hand, I cannot at all impeach the result. Um, like, well, this movie's perfect. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw some B-roll that I thought sort of illustrated this point well, where it looked like uh, George Miller talking to Tom Hardy, where... He's uh, he's standing out on the dune, and all the women are riding off onto the salt plains. Yeah, and he has the vision of the little girl, and he yeah. does the uh, you know the open hand to his forehead thing. Yeah, and you can sort of see that it's George Miller trying to explain to him what it is, and like Tom Hardy raises it up and kind of wiggles his fingers, and then George Miller is kind of like, no, 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 more like this, and does like a very slightly different version of what Tom Hardy just did. So I think it was a lot of that, like trying to explain what this was going to mean with micro edits mm-hmm. and sort of how it was going to all slot together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the Tom Hardy, him apologizing, I, the way I took that was it had been like almost two years since principal production, uh, finished. This yeah. had one of the longest post-production processes of any major studio movie. Yeah. They finished filming the main section in 2012 Jesus. and it came out this year in 2015. Yeah. So I think it was sort of like, I did this thing forever ago. I barely knew what it was then. Yeah. I've seen multiple cuts having it shaped in. But I, I get the feeling when people started asking him, it was sort of like, uh, I don't know. I hope it comes out someday and I hope it's good. Yeah. And then it can when it screened huge for the first time. I think it was sort of like, I knew you were a genius and I trusted you. I didn't know you had this in your yeah. mind. It was sort of what the apology was about. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for making me look into the greatest action star possibly <laughs> of all time. Um, well, the second greatest because Furiosa is in this movie. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, having watched it again, because uh, this is only the second time I've seen it. Because mm-hmm. I saw it over the summer um, in a 2D screening. And we watched it just now, um, like minutes ago. Uh, dear listener, at uh, if we sound that excited, <laughs> yeah, it's because we're stoked and we just took a bunch of metal to the face, um, both literal and figurative. Um, but yeah, they uh, the, 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 we just watched it in 3D, and um, yeah, the main thing that I'm taking away from this uh, this watch is for all the talk of like, oh, Max is actually kind of a side character. I can't entirely agree. I mean, it's very much Furiosa's movie as well. Like, she has a whole lot to do, and she's, you know, definitely uh, very vital. But, like, the movie's heart is with Max. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't get any crazy, you know, subliminal editing of Furiosa's interstate. We only get that of Max. That's um, a good point. You know, it certainly seems from his perspective. Exactly. Right. Yeah, she might be, you know, you could argue that she's the, quote, main character, but he's our window into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's important because all of this Morton Joe, Morton Joe, Warboys, Citadel shit, it's new to him. And so we're discovering it through his eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not new to Furiosa. And we only really see, we don't only see Furiosa through his eyes, but we mostly see our opinion of Furiosa changes as his changes. You know, mm-hmm. as he's done underestimating her, which I think happens in that wonderful moment when he's like, we have one bullet left and yeah, you're a better shot. <laughs> um, just use my shoulder. And that's when he decides like, we're going to be partners now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's great, but it's also like, we're, we're in Max's head for most of it. And he's the one having an arc, which is, I gotta like, kind of say uh, against George Miller, this is kind of the same arc he has in most of the, in most of the Mad Max movies, sure, <laughs> or at least the second and third. Like, I don't care about anybody, and I'm a survivor. Oh wait, I care about people. Credits. Like, it's the, it's it's all drive that tanker. Like, and that's awesome. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. super into that. 
but it's the same thing. Um. Well, um, I heard someone, I don't think it was you, but someone told me a while ago that they like that this movie seems like really the final tick of a heist movie where, like, if it was Furiosa's story, we skip... It skipped. would have started. Yeah, yeah, so it's sort of, we don't see uh, her ingratiating herself in Morton Joe's sort of army. We don't see her planning the escape. We yeah. never really know what the escape was of how the brides got on to the tanker or anything. Yeah. It's sort of, we just see the final execution of yeah. what's going on, where it's almost someone else's heist movie yeah. that Max breaks into. Oh, that's kind of awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it is It is. De- it is just like the end of Fast Five. Um, <laughs> you know, in the when they're driving through Brazil, and uh, and not all of Brazil, just Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> um, and they're swinging that, that, that uh, the thing around. That's the, the other thing just that this movie makes me think of is, you know, it came out at the same time, in a time in American action filmmaking where the number one action franchise is car movies. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it must have been so frustrating for George Miller years into trying to get this off the ground, watching the Fast and Furious movies make more money and more money and That's more money. Point. While he's sitting here with his car movie to end all car <laughs> movies. And he's like, I am about to destroy you. Like, I'm going to completely blow everything you do out of the water. And then he comes along and just knocks Vin Diesel's dick in the dirt. Like, <laughs> I do wonder how much that factored into Warner's decision. I assume it had to help. It, it had yeah. to. I mean, did this, this, this ended up doing pretty well. I was tracking it when it was... Uh, when it was coming out um or when it was like in its first couple of weeks and i i didn't uh i didn't see how it was doing towards the end i mean or international box office or anything like that i think it did sort of medium plus like international numbers were decent where it would sort of be viewed as mediocre if it wasn't as much of sort of a cultural touchstone Mm -hmm. like if it hadn't have gotten great reviews if you didn't see spoofs of it all over the place that you never see of action movies no, no, um, no. So it's, I feel like it's the goodwill that it earned them of the number of people talking about it, even if it didn't translate directly to box office dollars, is sort of like, it did okay plus. Yeah. Like, I think Terminator ended up making a little bit more money, which broke lots of nerds' hearts. That hurts. Yeah. But Terminator did, like, awesome in China, didn't it? It did huge international numbers, yeah. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> but... But one of okay, I didn't see Terminator Genesis. It might secretly be good. I no, kind of doubt it. It's not. I yeah. can assure you. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's almost the opposite of this in various ways. Like, just the action geography makes no sense in all the ways that drive me nuts. That this nails. Yeah. Um, I, I want to jump into sort of a little bit of our our context for Mad Max. Yeah. But, but I'll just throw out real quick of like. I noticed how many cuts are in this movie, but the flow is so good that it does not feel like it doesn't you know, feel choppy like a like a fa- like a Fast and Furious movie, right? Or like Transformers, where it's robot on robot on building. Like yeah. it, it takes such painstaking lengths to make sure from shot to shot you know what's going on. Yeah, where even how quickly cut it is, it feels a lot more fluid. Yeah. Uh, so I guess uh, Mad Max, I'm not a huge fan of all three of them necessarily. I've, I've seen them all and I enjoyed them all. I've actually never seen Mad Max, the first one. Oh, the first one? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I have our friend Sean's Blu-ray at home and it's just been <laughs> sitting there for like a month and a half. It's on the pile. Yeah, I need to watch it. Um, I mean, but they sort of, 
Also, Thunderdome sucks. Go on. Yeah, Thunderdome is something. It really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's real bad, man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting point in history to watch. It's really difficult it's for me to, to reconcile in my head the fact that the guy who made Thunderdome, <laughs> with the same degree of creative control, also made Fury Road. Like... I don't know, man. I, I do not. Maybe like Babe 2, Pig in the City taught him some things. <laughs> which I've heard is secretly really good. I, actually. I've heard great things about the yeah, I, in general about both yeah. of them. Have yeah. you never seen Babe? I'm sure I have, but I barely Oh, Babe's, Babe's real good. Yeah. Um, but Babe 2 is supposed to be like secret surrealist oddball masterpiece. Really? Yeah. I think he stepped up from producing to directing between 1 and 2. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, like they do things like you know it's Babe Two Pig in the City and like they go to the city and then when they when they get to their hotel like they look outside the window and like you can see the Statue of Liberty and the Eiffel Tower and Big Ben and there's this like weird thing going on that the idea that the city they're in is all cities. Oh really? Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's really weird. Huh. I've never seen it, but I really really want to. Huh. Um, yeah, let's watch Babe Two sometime. I mean, if we're if we're touching on George Miller, it's it's worth mentioning uh, his last action movie was thirty years ago with Thunderdome in nineteen eighty five. Jesus. Uh, and then he produced, he made Witches of Eastwick, produced Babe, made Babe Two, and two Happy Feet movies. Did he direct both them Happy Feet movies? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, Happy Feet actually led to uh, indirectly one of my favorite credits ever. Um, and this is a little meandering, but it's a great story. So Happy Feet was mocapped. And then it mm-hmm. won, uh, I believe it won Best Animated Feature at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, and beat some Pixar movie, whatever Pixar movie was coming out that year. And uh, because of that, Pixar now has a disclaimer in the credits of every movie that every frame of the movie was animated by hand. Oh, wow. And was not mocapped. <laughs> huh. um, Interesting. Yeah, they they just like called it out. And they were like, <laughs> no, that, that is not animation. <laughs> not the same thing. Uh, well, I actually want to get right back to that point, but just before we forget, just uh, so in my childhood, I saw them all. Um, yeah. uh, Road Warrior was really sort of the one that not only did it stick out at the time, but it's been a really interesting movie where a lot of my childhood favorites have sort of dropped off, either done better or viewed with different eyes or whatever it is. Yeah. But Road Warrior really holds on. It's like just a badass, cool, self-contained little movie. It's real fucking good. It's and, basically a western too, yeah. which is cool. And this movie, Fury Road, just really feels like it took the last act of that and expanded it to a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess that's sort of where I am with with Mad Max. Yeah. And what sort? Because for most of this movie, yeah, Max just drives that tanker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I really like saying that. I'm probably going to say it more. <laughs> um, yeah, I like I said, I've never seen the first one. I saw um, Road Warrior early in life, and then again a couple years ago. And was like, this is amazing. I love it. Um, I love the... The thing I love about it is... Uh, well, so many things. But uh, <laughs> the thing I love about the world of Mad Max, specifically after the first one, which admittedly I haven't seen, but from my understanding is, it kind of takes place in a children of many sort of shitty future that's pre-apocalyptic. Yeah, um, it's definitely far more between where like he's a cop to a working department and stuff. Yeah, so. like there are there is a civilization. Mm-hmm. It might be an awful one, but it exists. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the, the thing I love about, like, I, the, first of all, the chronology doesn't work because, like, there's all this, uh, like, culture has built up since the bombs fell. And I love that about it, but it also doesn't make sense for Max to have been alive before the bombs fell. Right. For that, like, this seems to take place, like, 200 years after the bombs fell. I do love that a guy seemed to have a normal life and now he's in, like, a demigod has built up a society around himself. 
And a guy in his 40s had a normal life sometime. Yeah, <laughs> with like a kid. So like 20 years ago. In 20 years, a Morton Joe built this whole citadel and like this weird religion around himself. Which maybe you could do that really fast. I don't think so, but... Yeah, I mean, if I really wanted to defend it, I could say like they're out in the middle of nowhere in Australia and maybe there were civilized parts that last longer. But yeah. I don't think it doesn't that's the point It's like all. arguing yeah. about the Legend of Zelda timeline. <laughs> like, just shut up. It yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and I, I love that, but... The, the main thing that I love is the the culture that has built up, like this weird cargo cult thing in Road Warrior, in Thunderdome even, because that's one of the things that's cool about Thunderdome, like Master Blaster ruling Bartertown and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in this movie, like, it's just so alien to us, and it's so internally consistent. Like, George Miller has clearly thought through all the implications of this culture. He knows... How, uh, you know, Lord Humongous and his gang work. He knows exactly how, um, you know, Immortan Joe and the Citadel work. Like, he could describe for you the mechanics of this society and different people's places in it. Um, And that's awesome. And it feels rigorous. It also feels super fucking odd. Um, (laughs) I mean, even back in Road Warrior when, you know, the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla shows up. um, And is referred to as the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla. Which is the moment that, uh, which is the moment that the, uh, the, 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 um, that the, I fell in love with the movie. Um, yeah, so that was my experience with it. And then along comes this, and I'm like, this sounds awesome. I definitely want to see Fury Road, you know, I, I, but in the back of my head, I'm like, oh God, like, what if this is, you know, what if this is Thunderdome and not Road Warrior? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I saw it, uh, you were in the same theater with me. I think it was your, like, third time seeing it. Right. It was my first, and I just <laughs> sat there and went, my God, like, this is perfect. This is, for what it is, it is absolutely perfect. It gives you so much information in every frame, but never in a way that feels overwhelming. I mean, just at the beginning, when he's captured by, when Max is captured by the War Boys, and you see him getting tattooed, and you see that his primary value to them is in his blood. Mm-hmm. Um, which, as I pointed out to you while we were watching just now, this movie is largely about, like, scarce liquids. <laughs> There's um, a lot of fluid swapping. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's blood, it's gas, and it's water, and it's milk. Yeah. Um, that's what matters in this society. Mm-hmm. And then also women, which um, are a liquid? I don't know. Um, the metaphor breaks <laughs> down at that point. I am I am aware of the state of matter of women. There's but, also a bullet town. Yes. There some is, solids matter. Some solids matter. <laughs> bullet. Yeah, no, the, the bullet farmer is, uh, is, is probably my favorite character in the whole thing. <laughs> Mainly because he's got bullets for teeth. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, he's awesome. Anyway, that was, that was my experience with, uh, with this movie and, uh, and, and with Mad Max in general. It was just always there. And I, I loved, uh, I love the gonzo spirit of Australian filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, just the, the, the fuck it, let's fire live ammo at actors <laughs> thing. I would never do that. I don't condone it, but I'm glad, no, not glad someone did. Someone did and I'm going to watch it. Is a better way to put that. <laughs> I mean, watching George Miller talk about this, like when comparing Fury Road to, to Road Warrior and stuff, yeah. he'll talk about how this one was safer, and it's because they can erase harnesses, whereas back then they just kind of did it. Jesus and it's Christ. Like, Let's just lay out some cardboard where we are going to land. And ah. that was a lot of the time. Yeah, the no, he, he made murder machines. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was terrifying. Uh, but yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean, sort of as you were saying during the lead-up of, like, what is this one going to be like, I doubted that it would ever come out. Like, as I said, I had been reading about it for so long, and it just kept getting stalled. And as much as I love Road Warrior, you know, not every filmmaker can take 30 years off from action 
yeah. and then sort of raise the bar when yeah. they come back. And then make the best action movie of the last 30 years. Yeah, so when that Comic-Con footage came out of, like, the first real car chases and stuff, yeah. holy shit, like, this looks really good. Yeah. And then the official trailer came out, which introduced the Doof Warrior with the flaming guitar. It's good and fucking campy. Yeah. Like, they let him spend $150 million, and it's still nuts. On a faceless guy in Long John, (laughs) suspended from a bungee cord, playing a guitar slash bass that has a flamethrower attached to it. (laughs) Like, go back to yourself in 2002 and say that sentence. Yeah. Like... Oh, man. Yeah, and it's incredible. It's, again, is it metal? (laughs) <laughs> it's metal it's metal <laughs> it's metal as fuck um yeah so so take us through the metal <laughs> well uh just to jump yeah, back yeah, to yeah. where we we're, were sort of talking about george miller's filmography and one thing that uh <laughs> i guess to be clear i've watched so many interviews and i read the art book and blah, blah blah so this i guess will be me trying to condense it down into an interesting podcast yeah i'm taking the best of that but during the the Happy Feet movies, it sounds like he's always been as um, sort of as much of a perfectionist and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was his tour of post-production. Mm. Like learning what you could do with a computer and that kind of stuff. That was his whole education with that phase of it. So, so he couldn't have made Fury Road without Dancing Penguin movies. Yeah, where one of my favorite things about this is that clearly this man understands the value of having a real car crashing into a real car in a real desert with a real stuntman flying off it. Yep. Like, that you can't match that yet. Like, we we haven't figured it out, or maybe you'll never do it, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, we do not yet have that technology. Even if it's just the pacing and geography of having it really there, you know how to film it. Yeah. Like, just sort of knowing all that, but also that he spent two years perfecting every frame... And, like, he rotoscopes arms down if they're slightly in the wrong position. Jesus, like, really? Yeah. There are tons of spliced takes where he loves Tom Hardy's take three and uh, Charlize Theron's take one. And it's, you know, those spliced together into a single visual scene. Wow. So I love that the, the guy where the physical placement of all this stuff is really important but can also use every other tool in the toolbox to achieve exactly what he wants. Yeah. From hearing the DP talk... It sounds like the frame rate is all over the place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, even way more than you would think. Like, some of the action scenes you can tell, but it sounds like there's barely a sequence in this without it being shifted up and down throughout it. I mean, it's all, it's, it all, it's all at 2397, but it is, um, it's speed ramped. film, he is adjusting up and down. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely speed ramped. Um, Mm -hmm. like, especially during, uh, the, 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 the inside Max's head stuff. Um, mm-hmm. where, you know, we're, we're seeing that little kid who keeps showing up, who I think is supposed to be Sprog, um, his <laughs> son from the first movie, even though it seems like it's a little girl. It's um, definitely a girl. That was another thing I love. We were talking about sort of the weirdness of Max, how the timeline doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. He seems to intentionally want to make it not quite add up. Yeah. We're like, is Max a legend? Is he yeah. someone losing his mind where all the details are kind of scrambling up? Yeah. Like... And I even that, read a theory that this Max was the feral kid from Road Warrior. Oh, um, Which, you know, doesn't add up, but right, it's an right. interesting idea. Yeah, I mean, it seems to make as much sense as any other explanation you come up with, which is yeah. part of the charm. Yeah. Of, like, that's one way, like, either you can go through the fine-tooth comb and make your film infallible, or you can make it intentionally kind of wonky, and you yeah. just can't ask those questions. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's... All of those things are... George Miller's way of saying it doesn't matter shut up 
Mm-hmm. You know, just just focus on the awesomeness that I've given you and this story in and of itself. Like, you don't need to ever have seen another Mad Max film to get everything about this world. Right. You know, it lays it all out for you. There was an apocalypse. It, was, it might confuse you if you've seen other Mad Max Yes, <laughs> a- absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's a perfect sphere. This mm-hmm. movie, like the the way it, like I said, the way it parses out information from that tattooing scene at the beginning to the way it sort of shows you the culture of the Citadel and the way being a war boy works, um, and then kind of gives you that information and then shows you its effects on characters. Like I found in this one, I loved Nux even more than I did last time around. Mm-hmm. Like I have such a stream of pity for all those war boys. Um, and I like that they cast Nicholas Holt, who's just a little bit more, like, he's, he's the widowest wool boy, um, <laughs> of all of them. Like, physically, he's the smallest one that you see that's in active combat, from what I saw. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he, he, he has, I have a whole lot of sympathy for that little fella. Because, like, like we were talking about earlier, you, you have a hard time sitting right now thinking, what would cause me to become a war boy? But then you see those swampy stilt walking dudes, and you're like, "Oh wait, there aren't good choices in this world." Yeah, there lack are, of options. <laughs> yeah, like war, being a war boy offers me stability um, and regular access to water. Mm-hmm. Like I am going to sign up for this life. Um, I, I don't have a hard time seeing myself doing that at all. Right. Um, and the I think the war boys are a good point to something that I, I find myself often talking about when this movie comes up is people love throwing out no story. Is like a shorthand for what they thought about this movie. Do people really say that? Yeah, absolutely. There, there's no plot or whatever. And I just, I think of all the Transformers movies that I've sat through and any big overly bloated action movie. And I'm like, this is two hours that didn't take the time to explain anything to me. And I feel it's far more detailed than yes. most action movies. Absolutely, yeah. What, what they really mean is no pointless exposition. Mm-hmm. There's no speechifying. There is no Johnny the Explainer scene. <laughs> There's no uh, Doc Brown chalkboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we don't need a Doc Brown chalkboard because yeah. we've got the we've got a two-hour-long car chase. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works just beginning to end. Yeah, I mean... Uh, like, they go out in the desert, they come back. Yeah, that's it. That It turns out that's all we needed. The example that I wrote down sort of in terms yeah. of this is one of my favorites is the uh, the first witness me when the guy takes the arrow in the face. Yeah. Of when watching it a second time and you know what's going on and all that, that information is important because Nux tries to sacrifice himself at the end of that sequence as they go into the That's dust a really storm good point, yeah. and he, you know, lets out the gasoline. Yeah. So not only did no one explain it to us, but earlier in the same... Uh, frenetic insane car chase this lang the the knowledge was imparted to us of what's going on yeah of sort of the the silver spray in the mouth that they have sort of this weird uh, kamikaze yeah. to their god well mentality. and there's a speech uh before they go before the war party leaves they do there's a speech uh i think i forget who says it but there's something like you know we will we we live we die we live again or right, we'll right. be remembered in Valhalla like they kind of say something mm-hmm. so you have a little bit of context when the arrow to the face guy starts doing his thing um, and asking to be witnessed like every the the way it parses out that information is just fucking masterful yeah like it is the best I've ever seen any film do that because um, you're right we didn't need anyone to explain it to us we just saw it and we were like yeah these these are desperate people they clearly believe in some kind of weird Norse religion <laughs> for some reason uh, probably because a Morton Joe told them to and he has water mm-hmm. um, 
and yeah, then we see it. Then we then we understand and have context for that uh, that next scene's emotional impact on Nux. Mm-hmm. And then we have even more com- context when, well, earlier whenever uh, Morton Joe looks at Nux and Nux freaks out with the "Oh God, Senpai noticed me" sort of uh, <laughs> sort of scene. Um, Scanning the horizon. <laughs> yeah, and then later when Morton Joe gives him that job and he just totally cocks it up like in a second. <laughs> Mediocre. Yeah. <laughs> I could have. I, I. I. This is a really minor quibble, but I could have dealt with some some better sound uh, sound design on a Morton Joe's dialogue. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand him about a third of the time. Um, That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still pretty much get his his motivations. Like he wants he wants his property back, mm-hmm. um, and he thinks of women as property. Um, <laughs> I guess we should take a second and discuss like the 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 feminist reading and anti feminist backlash of this movie, mm-hmm. just because. We don't have to spend too much time on it. The short version of the story is some idiots were idiots. Um, but I feel like you can't discuss this movie without discussing that. Um, yeah, that I would like to believe that was a case of like a few tweets were read by a news organization and reported as a movement. Yeah. So basically what happened was uh, the, the there were some, some men's rights activists, uh, which right there, you can just fast right. forward through this part. Um, who, we'll be taunting them, don't worry. Yes. Who said that this movie was feminist propaganda because Furiosa is the real protagonist and like Bait and switch yeah with the man that was supposed to be the head of the story yeah like the whole argument was they got us to buy a ticket to a manly action movie and then there was women's in it I didn't like it and I'm going home I didn't like the part with the women's um, and because like this is I mean an overtly feminist movie like they. The, I don't agree with the bait and switch part, but if their complaint is this is a feminist movie and I didn't want one, I honestly have no argument against right. that. Like, <laughs> fair. Like, if you did not want a feminist movie, you should not watch <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road because it is extremely feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm into that. Um, I think it's super cool. Like, I think watching a bunch of women go, we are not things, and then rip a dude's face off is fucking dope. Um, so I guess on that topic, the only thing that I sort of wrote down that I, I don't I don't necessarily feel strongly one way or the other about was, so the scantily clad women, I've heard uh, as sort of like a ridiculous, like, why would that be? And I've also heard sort of, they're the pampered wives and like, Furiosa doesn't look like that, so it's sort of the differentiation of she's mostly covered, she has no hair. Yeah, like she's she, a warrior. Yeah, exactly. Like sort of, she's joined this side while the other women were on the. They were intentionally shielded from the world. Yeah. Th- did you see their apartment? There's a piano in there. <laughs> like, yeah, obviously that's what's going on. <laughs> so I did hear some people sort of complain about that. That there is. As much as it was a joke, there still is a sequence where in the middle of an action movie, we, you know, soft focus and then snap to a bunch of women washing each other down, like when kind of scantily clad. Yeah. I I can see people's point, but I, I don't think it crosses any line. That soft certainly. focus is not about cheesecake, though. That right. soft focus is about re- uh, the reveal to Max. Like, the, the, the way I read it, because this movie is shot... Uh, mostly from Max's point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, it's him uh, being blinded by the sun and also internally not really being able to believe his eyes. Mm-hmm. And then it comes into focus as he realizes, yes, this is what I'm looking at. Yes, this is what this whole thing was about. It's about these women. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's what that is. It's not, you know, like, porny. 
Right. Um, but it is, you know, like some some women in sheer clothing washing each other down. But if they really, like if George Miller was really trying to do that, he would have given us some like wet t-shirt nipples or something. Right. And he never does. The only thing... The he probably only wouldn't thing... have had his wife edit it either. <laughs> oh, his wife edited the movie? Yeah. Oh, that's Her cool. first action movie. Really? Yeah. Wow, she did really well. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the I mean, the, the, what, what the, the only like piece of, the only body part that sheer cloth clings to in the whole thing is a pregnant belly in that sequence, which is just to like underline this one's pregnant mm-hmm. um which you know then later in a really unexpected twist she <laughs> goes under the wheels right um well kind of the uh, like as you're saying the the pregnancy and something that we talked about uh, i mean I, I guess we're not really going through this chronologically i yeah. figure if people have seen it they know the basic gist yeah um but we discussed at the end of uh, it sort of looks like one of the brides um betrays the rest of them and switches yeah. to Immortan Joe's car. Yeah. And the way I read it is that it's part of a plan. Like, she's yeah. fooling them to to uh, to get on to the other car. And, and your reading is supported by the fact that right after she does that, she grabs Furiosa by the hand and pulls her up. Um, well, if you look real quickly, there's... It's really subtle, but I like it. Is she... Um, the bride sort of looks up at a rectus erectus. <laughs> is that his favorite? name? I think so. Rectus, rectus er- erectus. What is it? I know it's Rictus is his first name. Rictus is definitely... I mean, <laughs> I assumed it was Rictus Joe. Um, yeah, I guess they split custody. Yeah. <laughs> Madame Erectus or something. <laughs> There's a whole other Citadel. Um, <laughs> but if you look like the camera... He's got a Sega Genesis with that one, though, so he likes it way better. <laughs> There's like a real quick lock-in on her, a zoom-in, where she like lowers the dress below her shoulders... So there is a moment of sort of she realizes she can manipulate Rictus. Yeah. And I think that's really what it's going Mm -hmm. for. And sort of um, with the the clad women and clingy clothes and stuff, I think two of the major moments are the pregnant wife throwing herself in front of Furiosa. Yeah. Which... Which is so awesome. Yeah, it's a badass, like, sort of a... um, She's got the best, like, do-something face on her. Yeah, and sort of like, I don't have a gun, but I know what I have, and I'm willing to use it, like, yeah. in a ballsy way. Yeah. And then this this other one, where where the woman sort of, uh, you know, she realizes that she can use the feminine wiles in an aggressive way. Yeah. And sort of not be a victim. Well, yeah, and, and if, you know, these, these women are in a society where uh, their primary value is... Uh, their uterus, their uteruses, and their sexuality. Surprise uh, breeders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and because of that, like part of the the way they gain power is like you were talking about by like, um, by you by realizing that they're the owners of those uh, those things of value. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have this this uh, child in my belly, and I can use that to my advantage, um, which is you know a nice subversion. Um, and then later you also see them like helping to dig the, the war rig out of the mud and stuff like that. So like they have value beyond that. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's the way that they can, you know, kind of operate within this world. Um, which is cool and a little sad, but cool, but a little sad. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can see where people are coming from, but I really feel like even if it strays close to weird feminine issues that it stays well on the side of uh you know best intentions <laughs> i can't imagine anyone uh coming up with an anti-feminist reading of this film yeah we're like, sort of even the naked woman perched up is sort of 
she's then taking control to set up a little trap and then she sort of pulls on clothes as quickly as possible and becomes part of the real discussion. Yeah, yeah. She's using her nudity as a symbol of helplessness to set up a trap. Like, mm. again, using she's using cultural assumptions about women uh, against those who would do them harm. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, like, if you think this movie's anti-feminist or is not moving the ball forward, like... <laughs> What the hell do you want? Right. Like <laughs> society better be pretty far down the line before people attack this. Yeah, like let's not let perfect get in the way of better. You know? <laughs> like this is this is great. So uh so it's a pretty like you said, it's a pretty slight plot, um, but I guess we should just kind of go through it. Um Yeah, so the the first shot is uh, Max getting caught, <laughs> which I guess people who Well the first shot is Max taking a piss. Um <laughs> I'm stomping a two-headed lizard. Yeah, not counting the stock footage of Nuclear Apocalypse before that. Um, but yeah, the first shot is a guy peeing. Yes. Um, <laughs> Saying more lines than he does. In the rest of the, the film. Of it, yeah. yeah. Um, but the I thought the, the sort of opening car flip where the, the war boys catch Max and yeah. take him back to Immorton, I thought that was... It was uh, wonderfully sort of... Mm, like emblematic of what the rest of the movie sets out to do where mm -hmm. it's a badass crash like I, I mean i think i mentioned to you before this that it broke the world record for number of flips in a car stunt cool so what a nice way to open the movie yeah and the maybe i just am less perceptive but it took me a couple times to really notice that they constructed that as a single shot where, like, the car flips and glides in towards camera and keeps coming until Tom Hardy crawls out of it. Jesus, and, like, you're right. Just, that they spliced it together that well. Yeah. And sort of, exactly, it took me a few times to notice it. It sounds like you didn't notice it. Yeah, I kind of assumed that they were cutting during, like, the dust kind of wafting across the screen or something. They definitely are, but they do it, like... Uh, where it looks like a single shot. Yeah, like if I didn't you're paying even attention, you can't see when it happens. That's so that's so awesome. God, and, that's awesome. And I this feel, movie's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel like the movie is full of that, of these amazing moments that they clearly had to go way out of their way to execute, but are not showy off they're not show offy in the way that like the score hits a climax and everything else stops so that the audience can see how cool this is. Yeah. It's just full of nonchalant, awesome moments. Yeah, which is why this movie rewards multiple viewings so much because, like, it's hitting you with shit all the time and mm -hmm. it's so in-depth as it's doing that. Like, none of this is just, like, th this isn't, like, shoot 'em up or uh, <laughs> Drive Angry mm -hmm. or anything like that. Like, Drive Angry's great. Um, if you haven't <laughs> seen Drive Angry, everybody, watch Drive Angry. It's Nicolas Cage. Uh, he came back from hell for reasons. Watch it. Um, <laughs> that was one where I didn't know what it was about when it was in theaters. Yeah. And then I read the description. Letters. I would have totally seen that in theaters. Yeah. No, it's, have you seen it? I haven't. Oh, we should watch Drive Angry. Nice. Um, yeah, you made me watch The Fountain twice. I might make you watch <laughs> Drive Angry twice. You can make me watch whatever you want twice. Yeah. Only like one or two exceptions I can think okay. of. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's real cool. But... Um, yeah, like, that movie is just awesomeness, awesomeness, and it's kind of ridiculous, but it's ultimately kind of shallow. It doesn't make it not enjoyable. Um, it's just kind of shallow. But this is, like, there's all this insane metal-as-fuck shit happening. <laughs> and then at the same time, there's all these character beats occurring. Like, I was thinking about this whenever uh, they were in the sandstorm. Um, when uh, So, just to, to go to the beginning of the whole thing. So, Max gets caught... He goes to the Citadel. He's tattooed. They figure out that his main value is that he's a universal blood donor. He tries to escape. He can't escape. 
Um, meanwhile, there's uh, this woman named Imperator Furiosa, played by Charlize Theron, and she's going out on a run to Gastown to go get gas because there's a gas town. I really, I really wish we could have visited Gastown or the Bullet Farm. Um, they, both, they both sound like fun places. But um, she uh, drives out and pretty quickly makes a detour, and it's uh, made clear very quickly that she is uh, committing treason against Immortan Joe, the ruler of the Citadel, because she has smuggled out um, some of his wives, concubines, who are uh, who were clearly being kept prisoner um, and robbed of all agency and will and used as breeding stock. So <laughs> One is very, very pregnant, and it seems like one is probably in the initial stages of being pregnant. Yeah. yeah. So, um, meanwhile, Max is being used as a blood bank to fuel up uh, Nux, a war boy played by Nicholas Holt. Mm-hmm. Nux says, I want to go out on the raiding party to get Furiosa back. And they say, you can, but you got to bring your blood bank. And that's how uh, Max... Filled up with high-octane crazy blood. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how uh, that's how Nux and uh, Max end up out on the Fury Road. Eventually, Nux and Max both end up hooking up with Furiosa as they try to drive out to the Green Place with the many mothers. Mm-hmm. They go out, they find out that the Green Place is dead, sure. and they decide what they should do is they should go back to the Citadel and take it over. Um, and then they do that and they kill Immortan Joe. It's pretty much the whole thing. <laughs> um, just wanted to get that out of the way so that we had some context. Very well done. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, it's a plot light film. Like well, that, That's another thing when people say there's no plot, where it is sort of like, at the beginning they're all imprisoned under a demigod, and they kind of defeat him and take over his whole fortress. So, like, it's, I, I appreciate that they do drive out and drive back, but they do accomplish something. They definitely <laughs> accomplish something. And they, they have good reasons for driving out and driving back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's, 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 that's the basics. So, anyway, during the initial drive out, whenever Nux and Max are both uh, strapped to Nux's car and he's trying to catch up with the war rig and get on there, they drive into a sandstorm. And Nux has decided, I believe he's decided at this point, I'm going to be witnessed and I'm going to drive my car into the war rig and stop it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, which, when you think about it, is a terrible idea because those wives are on there. Yeah, that's and, true. <laughs> yeah, you know, Nux, one of the things that is endearing about Nux is that he kind of acts without thinking, like a lot. <laughs> um, he's down to just sort of throw himself at a problem. And that's great um, and cute, but it's also a bad idea in well, this it seems world. seems like warboy training. It's yeah, like, I'm gonna live again. How can I be useful with my death? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like I'm gonna throw myself with some grenades at this truck covered in spikes. Um, <laughs> there's a truck covered in spikes in this movie, guys. <laughs> More than one. Is it metal? <laughs> anyway, so um, uh, yeah, like so he's having this character moment. Uh, Nux is, and like we're seeing all these new things about him. But at the same time, another car just gets cat just gets like sucked into a fucking sand and fire tornado and flung up in the air and explodes and there's just dudes everywhere in the air catching fire and like the first time you watch this movie it's pretty easy to miss the character stuff because there's a car on fire in the air (laughs) yeah there's there's a lot of eye candy yeah it's uh and sound candy yeah it's which i guess would be ear candy yeah it's fine um the sound in the candy um yeah it's uh it's it's awesome it's just so goddamn awesome i feel like i don't have a lot to say about this movie besides it's just so goddamn awesome well i guess where we're sort of on the the storytelling tact one thing that i that i find myself bringing up in discussions is it's understated but uh when they meet up with the old broads and they're kind of hanging out at night and just chatting yeah um 
one of the brides has a conversation where it's they're talking about uh, oh so you shoot everyone you come across yeah. and she talks about how she headshots everyone she in the meets. medulla yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like sort of whether you like the silly dialogue or not just when you compare it to something like a transformers or whatever that there's like a 90 second exchange where it's like uh yeah i, I headshot everyone i come across and i thought you girls were above that and then it's, oh, here, let me show you these seeds I collected. And mm-hmm. then I'm sort of trying to restart proper agriculture. Like, this yeah. is what's important to me. And it's just, it says so much about the basic plot in terms of we're chasing the same goals. Like, we want a society. We want to survive. Yeah. Here's sort of the, uh, I mean, I hesitate to call it the man version. But the, you know, the warlord version is keeping tight control over everyone yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And that women have to, or, or I, this group, the Vuvalini, one of the many <laughs> subtle things in the Is that movie. what they're called? I think so. The Vuvalini? I thought they yeah. were just the many mothers. It, it's as close to Volvo as you can get without yeah. <laughs> saying it. The Vuvalini. That's awesome. Um, but they sort of, uh, they. it's like we, we've, been, we've been forced into the same corner. Like yeah. they're both out killing people in the desert. Yeah. But then sort of preserving the best part of them. Yeah. Of like, this is still our goal. This is, we're still good. We still want to maintain we're it. We're doing this because we have to, because the world is shit. But exactly. we're not going to let the world turn us into shit. Mm-hmm. You know? And just something that, uh, again, is is not the most groundbreaking plot or anything, but it gets it in there. It gets it in there quick. Yeah. It gets it in there eloquently without having long dedicated speeches without beating you over the head with it which is i think is one of the most beautiful things about this the people who say there's no plot there's a lot of plot but if you don't care you're not sitting through it yeah which is the opposite of a bloated action movie absolutely nobody cares and we all have to sit through it (laughs) yeah absolutely um yeah and to the to the point about the dialogue like it's got a it's got the same thing going on with the badass dialogue that like firefly does Mm -hmm. where the reason it sounds weird is they're not speaking in the same action movie cliches. Like, at no point does anyone go, come get some. Or, like, <laughs> uh, you know, you shouldn't have done that. Or anything. Like, those lines would never be uttered. Instead, that redheaded girl says, oh, they're coming to count the cost. <laughs> right. And that's badass. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it's the same way, you know, uh, when, when in Serenity, you know, Mal talks about uh, f- uh, hope being a long wait for a train don't come. Mm-hmm. Um, that is badass, but not in a way that, you know, anybody talks now. And that really, really resonates with me is mm-hmm. finding new ways to approach badass. Right. <laughs> um, something that contextually makes sense and yeah. still capture something we recognize. Yeah. Of course they wouldn't talk the way we talk. Like mm-hmm. this is no matter what you think about Max's timeline, this is like 200 years after bombs blew up everything. Like most of these people, I get the feeling don't know a world beyond this one. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it would have its own culture. It would be weird. Um, yeah. And in terms of the war boys being sick and all that kind of stuff, I love Is it just radiation sickness? Is well, that... this is my point. Mm-hmm. I love that we have enough backstory to cobble together an idea of what's going on, but we don't exactly know because who cares? Yeah. Like, whether it's they're doing disastrous work for Immortan Joe that's getting them sick, whether it really is just the radiation of the landscape that's making them sick. Yeah. It's irrelevant. Like, it's sort of, we don't need to know it for the scope of this story. Yeah. And that sort of leaves room for discussion, but it's not a random nonsense thing that would be cool. Yeah. Like, it's not just, I love the imagery of this. It sort of makes sense in the story, 
But just like the real world, sort of, it's possible to know the outcome of this thing without knowing every circumstance that led to it, without having it spelled out for you. You know the relevant points. Yeah, yeah. And I think the movie does a beautiful job of that, of sort of doing enough to justify all this stuff without feeling the need to beat you over the head with it. And to just sort of keep a realistic, like, some of it's just fucked up and you don't really know why. And it's because yeah. that's the way the world and is. And even if you don't want to pay attention to it, it makes the world feel like a world mm-hmm. um, in a way that I need in a movie. Like, it, none of this feels, you know, it's not like when you watch, you know, some shitty B-movie like Legion or something like that. <laughs> um where, you know, everything's kind of cobbled together and there's, like, one Johnny the Explainer scene and then we go on to some action that no one gives a shit about. Mm -hmm. Like, all of this feels like it's taking place in this world and in this context. Like, everybody in the movie feels like they're sharing a language um, and I get to have a window into that language and that's very satisfying. And, like, they took the time to... um, One of the the first chases after Furiosa breaks away is sort of before Immortan Joe's forces catch up to her... There's the the buzzards take on, which is those super spiky cars. Yeah. Which again, there there's no explanation of who these people are, but through the art direction, through a tiny little insert shot where they're talking to each other in subtitles, we get yeah. the idea of like, oh, this is a different clan, and we're entering the enemy territory. Yeah. If you don't give a shit, it's another badass car chase where there are some new weapons that they're trying to take down the war rig with. Yeah. But if you do care, it's, oh, interesting. Like, yeah. this is this is almost... There's territory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, like, it's gangs that have split up to the point of different lifestyles where they look totally different. And yeah. This is going into, like, the art book and stuff. Yeah. But they talk about how, like, those are desert people with no resources to the point that, like, their skin is almost saran wrapped on which is, like, why they're all covered in weird bandages and stuff like that. Skin is, is saran-wrapped on. They're, like, the truly scavenger, barely surviving, like, living in the desert on what they can people. God. Ugh. Yeah, this isn't a fun world. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's not... The... If you're lucky, you're a raped bride, probably. <laughs> yeah, that is one of the more preferable uh, outcomes. Everything um, is awful. Yeah. But, you know, it is interesting how... Um, what am I trying to say here? It's not The Road, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever seen The Road? Have you read the book? Uh, like I know a decent amount about it. I've never seen it. Okay, so The Road is... I know it's like the bleakest thing ever created. It's the bleakest much. thing ever created, yeah. <laughs> At one point, some people cook a baby. Um, it's, <laughs> it's like a Palinuk book or something. Uh, well, it's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, spoilers for The Road, by the way. People cook a baby. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it's basically... The movie is just Viggo Mortensen and his the son. The Road. Not yeah. the Fury Road. Not the Fury Road. <laughs> um, the Fury Road is ugh, even furiouser. Uh, but yeah, that movie is just, uh, and the book is just a guy and his son pushing a shopping cart down a road trying because the apocalypse has happened and you never know why. And there is no like Immortan Joe. There are no big organizations. There's like some little scattered gangs that are running around trying to grab people and eat them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it. And uh, is it like Walking Dead without zombies, kind of. <laughs> it's so much worse. Um, like no <laughs> that one seems terrifying. No one seems to be able to like hold any kind of group together. Like man has turned on man. I see. Um, and uh, because the idea is resources are so scarce that cannibalism is much more widely accepted now. Uh, so like everyone is a threat because everyone's hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no good. We have de- we have begun to devour ourselves, and everything is great. Um, and Michael K. Williams is in it. Um, it's <laughs> apropos of nothing. He's uh-huh. just a very good actor, and I'm glad when I see him and things. Sure. Um, but yeah, like this could have been that. 
But instead, this movie understands the same thing about the apocalypse that Fallout understands, Mm -hmm. which is the apocalypse is a fucking downer. And (laughs) (laughs) if you're going to make something about it and not just make a thing that's a total fucking downer, Mm -hmm. you got to make it a little wacky. Sure. Um, and this movie's a little wacky. Oh, yeah. Um, like, there's a doof warrior in it. Um, there's a guy wearing a suit with holes cut in the vest for his nipples, and then a chain running between the nipples with a weight on it, and he just rubs the nipples sometimes. While counting the cost. Yes, while counting the cost. Um, yeah, with his, with his ledger out, talking about all the things they've lost. And sort of on the on the point of that not only is there crazy shit, but it feels like they took the time to build the world, is like the Doof Warrior, I love it. It's nuts. But it's also like, oh, you know, charging armies throughout history have had drums to keep the warriors on point yeah. to make it and uh, an intimidating thing yeah. for the uh, the encroaching or the uh, you know the group being encroached upon. Yeah. And now we have big huge diesel engines, so we're not going to hear drums. We better come up with something else. Yeah, no, it makes a ton of sense and it's very intimidating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if I saw a doof warrior coming at me, um I would be very very concerned. <laughs> um, yeah, so just the it has all this crazy shit but it also has the intent of, like, I took the time to write something out, even if it's never spelled out in the movie, of why it made sense that this happened. Yeah, absolutely. So, having watched it uh, several times, because you've seen this, what, like, eight or nine times now? It's getting up there, yeah. yeah like, what are you getting from initial viewings that, uh, that, that, that maybe you didn't see the first time around? Because it's such an overloading film that you got to watch it over and over. Oh, yeah. Just so you can get kind of inured to the... <laughs> The, how metal it is. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, one of my favorite stunts in the whole thing is uh, it's the very beginning of the canyon chase when uh, Furiosa screams at Max, a fool, mm-hmm. to drive. And then she runs up and grabs the hidden trap door under it. Yeah, and then, under um, the war rig. Yes, and then the, the bike swings in, goes entirely sideways, and then just lets the bike sweep out from under him while he grabs Furiosa's feet. Yeah. And that's one of those things, it's just so badass, but it's at the beginning of the second out of three major car chases. Yeah. So it's sort of, you lose it even by the end of that car chase. Yeah. And that's something that I love seeing sort of on its own, of being able to have the Blu-ray and jump to these chase scenes. Yeah. I mean, the climax of this movie is fucking insane. Like, as crazy as it seems normally, if you just pull up the movie and jump to it, like, there's been so much rising action like you sort of lose track of exactly how crazy the polecats are. Yeah. Uh, all this stuff. The, um, po- the polecats are nuts. Um, and, so, uh, and at one point a guy in like a black Jason mask just starts popping up everywhere. <laughs> um, that's like weird. Brazil baby. He definitely has a head. Brazil baby on the back of his head. Yeah. That's fucked up. Um, yeah. So it's, it has that going for it of exactly as you're saying, you get sort of inured to the earlier stuff, which makes the later stuff more visceral. Yeah. Kind of, because you aren't uh, already sort of beaten down by how exhausting this movie is. Yeah, it is really exhausting. Um, I could see some people not enjoying it because of that. Mm-hmm. I think it's perfect, and those people are wimps. I mean, I, I we discussed as we were watching it of sort of the, the, the end of the sandstorm, where the flare lands and sort of goes out and cuts to black. Yeah. Of, I feel like George Miller has a great sense of where to put in those breathing spots where it's probably less than five minutes before he has a gun on the girls in the next sequence in a big, uh, you know, high tension standoff, but it's enough. 
of yeah. like you can regain your bearings. It's not one thing leading into another to the point of exhaustion. Yeah. Um, you sort well, of recalibrate, next... and it jumps to a different kind of action sequence. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that standoff feels very different from from a big crazy car chase, and they're smart enough to know to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I guess we go to the canyon, um, which is another thing. And then you know we've got a uh, the second big car chase, which is just the war rig and a Morton Joe's, basically his first of two cars. Um, his monster truck, um, (laughs) which is later replaced by, as you pointed out during watching the movie, um, a car that's basically two Cadillacs fucking. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's metal. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, in terms of the, the stuff that I've noticed watching uh, repeatedly, I think the action sequences have more personality than you would normally notice in a Mm. movie where it's not sort of here's they're being chased through a building so we can use a b and c and those stunts are cool mm-hmm. it really does feel like the first car chase is being introduced to how insane this world is how skilled furiosa is a little bit of max's desperation as they make eye contact when he's on the front of the car and then sort of the second car chase we're almost in character familiarity the way yeah. relationships work is firing on ill all cylinders she has a true confidant when she has kind of been like in charge with some relatively uh, warrior useless wives. Yeah, that she has to just tell them to stay hidden. Yeah, like that she has. They're basically else, cargo, as far as she's concerned. Yeah, to have someone else to teach the set of triggers that'll make the war rig drive. Like yeah. that, she really can split this responsibility. I think the second the second action sequence really highlights that those big sweeping moves of them both shooting. Of him breaking out the window, her firing a flare through it. Yeah. Like, that stuff is really beautiful of coming together as a team. And the choreography really illustrates that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the big final one is everyone giving their all to just make it. Yeah. So I think the the action sequences, far more than a normal movie, sort of coincide with the rising action of the relationships. Yeah, of what sense. they're trying to illustrate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's... Uh... It's it's good at making everything like you said feel uh, feel really distinct down to like giving you different kinds of action sequences like later when they're stuck in the mud and uh, the bullet farmer is closing in on them uh-huh. and he's the scales of justice he, yeah when he uh, after <laughs> after they after uh, Furiosa shoots out the light which is a big turning point in their relationship between Max and Furiosa as we talked about um, where she uh, he realizes she's a better shot and they kind of become equal partners for the first time mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah they then you know she shoots out the light and uh, mm-hmm. then you know he's all blinded and blood in his eyes becomes the scales of justice <laughs> and then instead of seeing yet another action sequence which would have kind of exhausted us you just kind of see Max disappear with a gas can. And then he comes back covered in someone else's blood with way more guns than he left with. <laughs> and a boot. And a boot. <laughs> I got his boot. <laughs> Which, uh, sort of harkening back to, like, not every, not every line of dialogue is brilliant or whatever, but it passes through pretty quickly. Yeah. I love just sort of the lack of subtlety of using breast milk to wipe away the blood that a man yeah, <laughs> used yeah. to save the day. Like Women will is... truly save this world. Like, I mean, it's Mad Max versus the Patriarch, <laughs> this movie. <laughs> and he kicks its ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I guess just since I threw out that his wife edited it, and I thought yeah. that was awesome from yeah. a, <laughs> a weird feminist point of view. Her first action movie... 
The the reason that I recall George Miller said he wanted her to do it was he has never met someone as easily bored by things in his life in terms of editing. Oh. So that it would be the perfect person of, like, we've seen someone jump from that car to that car. Like, we need something else next. <laughs> that is that is a very, very good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, 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 it comes together well, this, <laughs> this picture. Um, the bullet farmer, as you said, has bullets for teeth. Yeah, he pulls shooting. a bullet out of his mouth and shoots at someone with it. <laughs> you guys... So campy. Yeah. I love it. It's so fucking metal. It's, <laughs> oh, oh, it's just like, it, it, you, you, you'll watch this movie, you might grow a beard. Um, <laughs> just watching it. It's, uh, it's real, real goddamn good. Yeah, I like the, um, that Furiosa's uh, arm holster thing, the thing that she straps on, has the shoulder pad. Yeah, Max's emblematic jacket also has. Oh, I never like, even thought about that. But yeah, they are kind of of a piece. Now let, let's talk about that special effect because you know Furios has got a robot arm. Did uh, did did uh, Charlize Theron just wear like a green screen sleeve, and did they just motion control every shot she was in? From looking through the art book, it looks like it was probably that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> looks like it was probably a few different solutions. But I think the main one was. Imagine she's wearing the metal arm over her arm, mm-hmm. and so sort of the outer frame is real, but all that inner stuff is painted green. Gotcha. So sort of all the places where you can see through and their rotors moving and stuff, I think that was just green, like with a metal-looking outer frame. Gotcha. gotcha. I think that's how they That still it. means you've got to motion control every shot she's in so that oh, you can yeah. roto it and everything. Totally. That's nuts, man. <laughs> Which I guess, you know, now that I think about it, like most shots of her kind of don't have that arm in them, um, and they just frame it out. Mm-hmm. Um, which is exactly what you do if you don't want to spend uh, like millions of dollars on rotoscoping. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's cool. And yeah, I didn't think about that, but yeah, they are they are kind of of a piece. And she's you know maybe there's something to the fact that like Charlie uh, Furiosa loses uh, her home, the Green Place, um, halfway through the movie or uh, or so, mm-hmm. and that connects her even further to Max, who you know has lost i mean the the whole point of him at the beginning of the movie is i've lost everything i'm just going to survive mm-hmm. and maybe he i'm actually just thinking about this but it's kind of interesting maybe he's going after furiosa and saying no don't drive out into those salt flats for 160 days because he sees her making the same mistakes he's already made mm-hmm. and he's saying you're just going to go out there and you're going to become me like i've i've been fighting futility for a long time <laughs> yeah like what you need to do is you need to turn around and go take what you deserve mm-hmm. that's kind of cool <laughs> yeah yeah you know? i mean i think it's it's sort of a a beautiful thing that they they sort of that they meet each other like it really yeah. does sort of feel like an interesting side of two halves where they're both yeah. half broken um i i wanted to ask you what you thought of the the sort of accent that he has I've heard some people complain that it like kind of wavers all over the place. In in watching him talk about it, I've heard him mention that he tried to play it as someone relearning to talk hmm. because they've been in their heads so much. Yeah. And I mean, I trust him as an excellent actor as far as I'm concerned. So just even No, I got that it, feeling. I I definitely did cuz he like he just grunts most of the time. Like mm-hmm. he barely speaks. At all, as we said, he has like 16 lines in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think he said enough for me to be bothered by his accent. <laughs> um, mainly, he just, you know, kind of grunts and says, Oh, Max. My name's Max. Bolt cutters. Yeah. And, Shane. Yeah. Um, and then at some point he says something that sounds kind of baney. I forget yeah. what it was. But uh, but it's Tom Hardy. Hope is a mistake. Yeah. Hope is a mistake. <laughs> 
You should don't drive into those salt flats on Peritor Furiosa. <laughs> You'll find nothing but death in that direction. <laughs> I should know. That whole plane is in ashes. <laughs> it's Bane voice is real fun. It's a shitty movie, Dark Knight Rises, um, yeah. but it gave us Bane voice, and I really like Bane voice. <laughs> um, yeah, d- d- check out our uh, check out our Dark Knight Rises episode in the archives, guys. Um, ah, that's a good yeah, one. I, I, I didn't enjoy it. Um, <laughs> it's frustrating. Um, yeah, I, I I definitely got the feeling that this was a guy who'd been in his head for a really long time and who was. It didn't even occur to him at the beginning of the film to like try to connect to people. He was just trying to like get out of this situation and isolate himself again because like for the first 30 minutes or so, he's learning an object lesson in why he was right to isolate himself. <laughs> um, like he's strapped to the front of a car with a thingy on his face. And we don't even see him without the thingy on his face for 45 minutes as you pointed out <laughs> while we were watching the movie. Yes, I did pause it so we could find out. Yeah. Like once again with George Miller sort of creating this weird world and just you get the sense of everything about it is a little unconventional. Yeah. It's like... Let's hire up and coming star, and uh, you know, on a big studio movie, and he plays second fiddle for a lot of it, and you barely see his face for yeah. forty five minutes out of two hours, and he hardly talks. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't even kill the bad guy at the end. That's true. Like, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, like no, it's there's there's a bunch of important ways in which this subverts action movie cliche. First, it begins with Max at what we think of as full power. He's got the interceptor. Mm-hmm. He's got his outfit. He's Max. And then immediately they take the Interceptor away. Um, so he doesn't have his cool car. It's like a Metroid game. It is kind of like a Metroid game, yeah. But what you'd expect um, is for him to get the car back. And then the ending to be him and the Interceptor running around. And he would like it would zoom in on him and he'd say something like, let's do this. And then he'd drive. But like the movie doesn't do that. Instead, he sees the souped-up Interceptor that the War Boys have all chromed out. And honestly, it is way better than it was when he got hold of it. Like He kind of owed them some money. Um, but then it just gets blown up and he never gets his car back. That's it. He's mm-hmm. just done with that. Um, you know, like he doesn't kill the bad guy. He doesn't get to say the uh, the, the cool thing. What does uh, Furiosa say to? Remember me. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is a weird thing to say to someone you're about to kill. Because, um, you know, why? For three seconds? <laughs> Before he gets his fucking face ripped off? Well, I mean, hopefully we didn't get into this on the podcast. It's a little tricky to remember. But yeah. we, uh, we mentioned that someone told me that it's like uh, breaking into someone else's heist movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sort of, I feel like there, there's a lot of implied backstory of for her to have the head imperator uh, position. Yeah. There's probably a lot of backstory of like her as a tiny kid and, you know, being punished and then deciding to follow him closely and gain yeah. his trust over years to get into this. See, I, I'm going to stop you there. Cause I don't, I didn't take it as her like engaging in a years long subterfuge. I think that she got kidnapped and she like really did just take on this job because there are no good choices in this world. And then one day she just couldn't take the injustice anymore. And she just sort of turned, hmm. um, that's that feels more real to me. I well, mean, I guess what, you what I'm saying way? is that she's been by his side for yes. 20 years. Yes, and absolutely. so sort of saying "remember me" is like we don't we're not necessarily privy to how much history those two characters have. Yeah, yeah. And even if we go back to like the Road Warrior and stuff, a lot of the villain and even friendly deaths are like so fast you barely even notice them. Yeah. Which, I mean, some people call it a, a, a detriment or like it was disappointing that there's all this lead up and then he dies so quick and everything. Yeah. 
But uh, it seems like a through line to these things of it's a big, crazy fucking action sequence. Like stuff happens quick. Yeah. And when it's done, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, I don't know that I would necessarily agree with that action point, but I do sort of appreciate the, you know, the main villain could die just as fast as the henchman. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I, 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 I like that she's the one who gets the kill at the end. Mm-hmm. She does. She deserves it more than Max does. Right. It would feel weird in terms of her character for him to be the one to kill a Morton Joe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he, he still gets a couple of good, good shots in. Um, but then at the end, you know, he just sort of fades into the background man with no name style. Like this movie is not doing what you expect an action movie to do. Over and over and over and over. And that keeps it fresh and exciting. Mm-hmm. And it's almost saying... Because, you know, when I... I remember the first time I watched it, I felt a little disappointed that we didn't get him in Interceptor and, like, that fan service shit. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's telling you, no, trust me, I have something for you. <laughs> it's going to be better than the thing you think you want. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a lesser film would just give you the thing you think you want. Right. Um, G- George Miller's better than that. <laughs> and I, I really appreciate that. So, uh, I was going to talk a little bit about the DVD extras. Was there any anything else you wanted to cover? So no. That, the movie proper? Yeah, no. I think we sucked its dick real good and dry. <laughs> um. uh, so, I had read in some of the reviews that this was sort of extras light, where yeah. George Miller had talked about um, how his perfect vision of this would be black and white, mm-hmm. and how he would make sure that that version was on the DVD. That didn't make it on there. There's That's no commentary, sad. like... It's not real clear, is this a double-dip situation? Did it not do well enough for them to come to him uh, yeah. asking about big things? So I avoided watching what was on there just because I you know, I figured I'd rather watch the movie again at home yeah. versus that. And then I finally did sit down and watch it. And if people love this movie and bought the DVD, I would totally recommend watching that stuff. Like, really? I sort of held off watching it, and it was all very charming and interesting, even if it was kind of fluff pieces and, and smaller of um i think the biggest one was uh there was a big stunt guy from the road warrior yeah who uh if you remember a stunt from the road warrior it's probably that one where a dude is launched from a bike smacks his leg on something and then tumbles for the rest of his arc in the air out of frame yeah which was an accident where he broke his leg and uh thanks for taking one for the team buddy yeah that movie was real awesome. Thanks a lot. <laughs> um, and that guy sort of became a big stunt supervisor and stuff like that, where that sort of started his career, was this giant on-screen Road Warrior stunt. And it sounded like he had a major part in planning a lot of the stunts in Fury Road, you know, 30-something years later. And he did the opening car flip, which was the, the world record-breaking thing. And then he did the Doof Warrior final stunt, the, so the the very first and the very last stunt in the movie, where he crashed the Doof Warrior car through the tanker that had already been upended. Where where we see the Doof Warrior's guitar fly towards yeah. camera. <laughs> the big 3D mugging yeah. shot. <laughs> yeah, and then the then the, the, the steering wheel comes at you, and it's, it's indulgent and silly and awesome. <laughs> and I love it. Another one of those, um, uh, like, it's funny hearing stuntmen talk kind of thing, where he talks about how that's one of the easier ones that he's done, where you get to sit back and enjoy it. Because it was basically drive this big thing straight into that. There was no complicated turning or anything. So his laid back day at the office was just going at 60 miles an hour. I mean, in terms of finesse, it doesn't seem there's a whole lot of skill involved. It's just (laughs) just don't die. Um. But just so it's, it's this sort of touching story about this guy who he 
uh, Mad Max really launched his stunt career, mm-hmm. and now his swan song was starting and ending this amazing one. This movie that's going to be known for decades is one of the best action movies ever made. And uh, it, I believe it's his retirement as an on-screen stuntman. I'm sure he'll continue planning them and stuff. Yeah. But just like, wow, what a charming little story. Yeah, <laughs> that's beautiful. So, Thanks, yeah. Australia. And there were a couple more little charming stories that I won't go into, but just... Even when it did seem very like, oh, this movie's going to be awesome, and this was clearly all filmed before it came out, and and there's nothing super in-depth, it's all worth watching, totally. Hmm. I'll check it out, for sure. (laughs) Um, I mean, I definitely need to get this thing on Blu-ray. Like, it's really sad that I don't own it. I don't know what the (laughs) hell's wrong with me. I'm going to get right on that. Um, When I saw the first review show up as like, yes, five out of five video and audio new reference disc, I was like, oh, he did it. End to end. (laughs) From the first trailer to the Blu-ray, I was blown away. Yeah. (laughs) New reference disc. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, All right, man. What what else you got? Uh, I think that pretty much covers it for me. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you, you clearly know this movie better than me. Um, so I'm glad, I'm glad you, you kind of ran it. Um, I'm sure if I think of anything else real bad next week, oh guys, and just, just one more. I'm sorry. But... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't, I, I have a hard time saying things about this movie besides awesome. <laughs> um, um, I mean, and there are a lot of other things to say and I hope we were able to say those things, but mostly it's awesome! Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, if you loved it, read the art book. Go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash refried reviews, and yeah. I'm sure we would love to talk about it with anybody. Yeah, yeah, please. tell. <laughs> and if you hated it, great. Or, or if you're a men's rights activist and you want to argue. Um, Even more so. We'll, we'll block you. Um, <laughs> um, no, we won't block you. We'll just, you know, say real mean shit to you. <laughs> um, but you can show up. That's cool. Um, all right. Uh, I think uh, I think that's it for us. Um, so what are we going to do next? Um, you know what? It came up, and we're going to do it. Uh, you get to watch Drive Angry twice. Excellent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to come over for one of them. Because um, okay. it's... Uh, Excellent. Drive Angry is a hoot. Um, it's just... It's it's way, way slighter than this. Uh-huh. Like, we're not going to have as much to talk about. <laughs> but, like, I think it's it's definitely got one foot back in, like, 70s car movies. And it owes a lot to, like, Road Warrior. Because huh. um, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a car stunt movie. I mean, Nicolas Cage usually leaves a lot to talk about. Almost no matter the performance. Yeah, he's, yeah, there's, it's, it's wacky. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you in a couple weeks. All right, thanks. Later. Bye.